Welcome back to the podcast. I appreciate you for being here. My name is Chris. This is the Chris Gates Fitness Podcast, and uh, we have a good one for today. Today, we are diving into another Q&A. This is the Q&A for the month of March 2022. And we have a lot of really good topics that I think are pretty commonly asked. And I handpicked these questions. I put it out there on TikTok, said, hey, if you have anything that you're struggling with or you need help with, drop it in the comments. I'll answer it on the podcast. And a lot of the ones I handpicked are things that I think are pretty commonly asked questions, things that you've probably thought about before, like why am I gaining weight when I'm in a calorie deficit? Um can you help me with meal planning for certain types of meals? Uh, how can I increase my energy? Uh, certain types of fitness equipment, uh, should I buy them? Are they legit or are they not? Like we got a lot of really good stuff to dive into on this episode. So I'm excited to get into it and uh, we'll dive right in. But first, quickly, uh, just a reminder, I am a coach. And if you are interested in getting some customized, personalized help with your fitness goals. Uh, I would love to talk to you about what your goals are. There's going to be a link in the show notes to this podcast episode where you can find a link to my coaching page tells you all about what online fitness coaching is like. And if you are interested in talking together about your goals, uh, there's an application on that page where you can submit it and I will follow up with you. And we can, like I said, talk more about what you want to do with fitness and nutrition. Most of the people I work with either want to burn fat, build muscle, feel more athletic, feel more confident, learn the basic principles of exercise and nutrition and develop an understanding of how this stuff all comes together so that you can make as much progress as possible. So uh, like I said, we'd love to talk to you if you are interested in coaching. And after that, let's dive into things. So the March Q&A, like I said, I put this out on TikTok, just asking people, what are some of your pain points? What are some of the things that you struggle with? And I got a lot of really good uh, questions and, and feedback. And I would just say, you know, if you're not following me there, definitely give me a follow and really on any social media platform. Uh, if you search Chris Gates fitness, you're going to find me. So that would be TikTok, Instagram, uh, geez, Facebook, Twitter, you know, all the normal, uh, big hitters for social media. Uh, I'm, I'm there sharing free information to try and help you, uh, make the most out of your fitness journey. And, uh, I think this will be a good podcast episode because we're going to directly help some people with the questions they have. So with that said, let's dive into the first question. The first question uh, was submitted by Junes for Maniacs. And I actually broke this, broke this out into two different questions because um, he had a, a question specific to his situation. And I want to get to that second. But the first part of his question was kind of like a, a very common question that that I'll get a lot. And I think you've probably wondered from time to time if you've tried to lose weight. Um, so I thought we could start with just this more general question of why am I gaining weight if I'm in a calorie deficit? Um, and this is common. This is something that people get tripped up on a lot because you know, you're in a calorie deficit or so you think, and you're doing everything right, but your weight is not going down. Um, first and foremost, it's important to make sure that you are in a calorie deficit, okay? Like a lot of times when people say they're in a calorie deficit and they're not losing weight, it's because they're actually not in a calorie deficit, unfortunately. And the best way for you to make sure that you're in a calorie deficit and, and doing all the things that you need to be doing to lose weight and lose body fat uh, is to track your nutrition, honestly. Uh, you know, there there are a number of ways you can go about 
dieting and trying to lose weight and trying to get into a calorie deficit, but the most efficient and the most effective, and I, I can back this up with years of experience working with my clients on this, is tracking your nutrition at least for a little while to get an idea of what your intake looks like calorie-wise. Um, because if you do that, and if you do it correctly, so that means tracking your nutrition accurately by weighing foods out, measuring foods out when the time and place comes to do that type of thing, making sure you're scanning barcodes, making sure that you're logging the portion sizes correctly. If you're doing all that and you can do that for at least a short period of time, you're going to give yourself a really good look at what your daily calorie intake is. And then from there, it's kind of just simple math. From that point on, um, I often say like reduce slightly, reduce your calories slightly. So if you track one to two weeks, and I would really recommend that you do it for two weeks, don't change anything about your diet, track what you normally eat for two weeks, and then take a step back, look at everything that you've tracked and, and you know, most nutrition tracking apps like MyFitnessPal, it's super easy to just flip through day to day and see what your calories were, what your protein, carbohydrates, fats were. Um, go back and look at that and kind of get a feel for what the average intake for you has been on a daily basis. So you could simply just take a week, add up all those calories, divide by seven, and that's going to give you a average daily calorie intake. So from there, once you get that average number, it's pretty simple to just say, okay, if I'm gonna, if I'm eating this much, really all you need to do is eat less than that, and over time you should see your body weight come down. Um, what I often recommend is like not to go super crazy and slash a ton of calories off of that average intake number that you got. I would more so recommend like taking 10% off of it, you know, uh, and seeing how your body responds. So you, you, you track your normal diet for a couple of weeks, you get that average number, reduce your intake by 10% on a daily basis, and then go for another one to two weeks and see how your body responds to that. And if you lose weight, that means you're in a calorie deficit and you just need to keep going and keep doing the things that are working. Um, so that's the first thing to make sure is like, are you actually in a calorie deficit? Now, the other thing I will say is like, why, okay, so you're not losing weight in a calorie deficit. Maybe your weight is stable or you've seen your weight go up a little bit. Um, there are so many factors that can cause your body weight to undulate essentially, uh, you know, day to day. And, and those day to day fluctuations are really something that trips a lot of people up because a lot of people get down on themselves where you think you're doing everything right. And then you get a couple of weigh-ins, you know, back to back one to two days in a row where your weight's going up and you can't figure out why. So then you either quit or you make rash decisions on, um, you know, what to do and you slash even more calories and then you make your diet unsustainable and you end up quitting two weeks after that. Um, but it's important to understand that like, even if you are in a calorie deficit and you're doing everything right, there may be weeks on end where your body weight doesn't go down and it has nothing to do with whether you're doing things right or wrong. You know, one of the first things that come, comes to mind for this is if you're a beginner to strength training and you're lifting weights while you're in a calorie deficit, um, you actually are very likely going to build muscle while you are burning body fat and that's potentially going to make the scale go up, right? Cause you're losing pounds of body fat, but you're 
adding pounds of muscle as a beginner, um, you may see the scale not move at all. And it doesn't mean that you're doing things wrong. It actually means you're doing the thing that most people really want to do, which is build muscle and burn fat at the same time. Um, and this is where, you know, taking body composition measurements, like, like measuring your waist every two weeks, taking progress photos every two to four weeks can be really helpful so that you're not only relying on just the scale to figure out what type of progress you're making. The scale is not always the best indicator of the progress that you're making. Uh, Another thing that comes to mind is stress. This is something that trips a lot of people up is just daily stress. And like if you're in a period of time where things at home are stressful or things at work are stressful, um, that can cause your body to hold on to some water weight for for a period of time. And again, that, you know, doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. It just means life is stressful right now. And, um, you got to deal with that. And eventually the stress will go away and eventually the water weight will come off. And, you know, and additionally to stress, stress often leads us to, uh, stress eat and, and potentially not manage your nutrition in the best possible way. So like, there's just, you know, hopefully you can take it from, from here that like, there's a lot of different factors that go into whether your weight goes up or down. Um, and it's not always indicative of whether you are or are not in a calorie deficit. But what I would say is start with making sure that you actually are in a calorie deficit and are tracking your nutrition properly. And then from there, you can figure out what type of adjustments that you need to make. But if you don't start there, it's going to be really hard for you to, just understand those steps that you need to take uh, to to lose weight and make the progress that you that you want to make. All right, and beyond that, June's uh, talked a little bit more about his situation. So I wanted to bring this up because his his progress is is actually unbelievable, and it's a, an interesting situation that you know if you need to make a dramatic or if you do make a dramatic. Uh, body transformation, you could see this happen. So he followed up and said he's eating 1,850 calories after losing more than 200 pounds over the past year. And so this is a very specific situation where um, you're probably at a point in time where if you've been dieting for a year and you've lost that much weight over the course of an entire year, it may be good for you to think about transitioning into doing this in phases moving forward. Cause it's just, you know, from a mental perspective, first and foremost, it's hard to continually diet, like just to continually be in a calorie deficit, find the energy to wake up in the morning and do all the things that you're supposed to do, find the energy to train. It just becomes monotonous and, and, and you get closer and closer and closer to burnout. So I would say like, if you haven't gone through phases at this point, this is a good opportunity to say, okay, how can we change things up a little bit? Because you've lost so much weight at this point that your body and your brain probably could benefit from taking a few months off at like maintenance to then be able to down the road transition back into a calorie deficit if you want to continue losing weight. There's this concept called metabolic adaptation and it's often used incorrectly by people um, because a lot of people think like, if they diet for a week or two on low calories and they don't lose weight, they think their body's in this thing called starvation mode where um, it's like the body's natural reaction to try to prevent you from dying when you don't have food, right? It lowers your metabolism to the point where like your energy demands are meeting uh, the, 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 the point that you are in your life where you don't have food to eat or you have very, very little food to eat. Um, so most of the 
time. <laughs> People say that their like body is in starvation mode and it's not. That's just a way to convince themselves that like what they're doing is right when it, it probably isn't. But in this situation, like I think metabolic, metabolic adaptation could 100% be part of what you're dealing with. Metabolic adaptation is the, the ability of our body to adjust its metabolism according to what we eat. And if you have been in a calorie deficit for a year and you've lost all of that weight, your energy intake has been so low that your metabolism has probably pretty well adapted to the amount of calories that you're eating, the the lack of, you know, I guess the, the, the deficit that you're in and that you've been in for such a long time, with your transformation occurring over an entire year, this may be playing a role. And, and once again, if you can give yourself kind of a mental break and give your body a physical break from being in a calorie deficit, transition into a maintenance phase, eat a little bit more for two, three, four months, get refreshed, get rejuvenated, get ready to dive back into a calorie deficit again down the road, that might be the best thing to put you, that might be the best position to put yourself in. Um, you could even go into a slight surplus right now and, you know, after losing all that weight, put on some lean tissue, some lean body mass can continue to strength train, continue to exercise, but give your body a little bit of extra and understand that like gaining weight in a slight calorie surplus is not a bad thing because you're very likely building some muscle. So then again, when you get to that next phase of wanting to go into a calorie deficit, um, you're, that's going to help boost your metabolism, right? Cause you, lean tissue requires more energy. So that's going to help you boost your metabolism so that when you go into the next calorie deficit, you can start losing weight again. And then because you built that muscle, you're going to love the way that you look at the end of the process. Like I, I just sound, this sounds like a situation where like you need to transition into a different phase here for a while where you bump the calories up to maintenance or a slight surplus and give your body a, a extended period of time to be there. Uh, I hope that makes sense. Okay. Question number two comes from MC nine mini and she asks, can you help me with planning meals? I'm struggling with breakfast and lunch. I'm a picky eater and don't like a lot of veggies or seafood. I don't need to eat carbs only for dinner. Um, so, okay, we'll talk about meal planning and how you can, uh, you know, do, do your best to plan the right types of meals throughout your day. And the first off, I, I want to talk about, because you mentioned carbs, I feel like I always need to address this when somebody says, like, I don't need carbs. Um, it is okay to eat carbs, okay? I know a lot of diet plans tell you to reduce carbs, and because of that, so many people have the impression that carbohydrates are a bad thing and that you shouldn't eat them and that they lead to weight gain, but the reality is, most people eat an excess amount of carbs, so carbs are the easiest place to start in terms of reducing calories and getting you into a calorie deficit. But with that said, you can have a calorie deficit with like 300 carbs a day if you want to. It's all based on your preferences, so don't feel like you cannot eat carbs, okay? Have to say that at the start of this one, because it just drives me crazy that like diet culture has led us to believe that carbs are bad. Carbs are not bad. Carbs are, in fact, good. And in a lot of situations, depending on what your goal is, carbs are, in fact, necessary. And so for like meal planning, if you're meal planning for weight loss, you should understand that carbohydrates are actually going to fuel your performance when you're exercising. So it's going to give you better performance in the gym, which is going to mean better adaptations for your body down the road. 
Carbohydrates also help. They're, they are anabolic in nature. They actually help you build muscle because they help shuttle the proteins into the cells of your muscles to help repair and grow that muscle. Carbs are good. <laughs> Carbs are good. Okay. I will get off my soapbox. I just had to make sure that I address that. In terms of meal planning, though, a great place to start, I think, is just start with picking a few protein sources that you like. So you said you don't like a lot of veggies. You don't like seafood. And that's okay because you know what? You don't have to eat veggies. You don't have to eat seafood. You don't have to eat any one individual food at all. What I would recommend for everyone is like for meal planning purposes, whatever your goal is, build the diet around the foods that you enjoy. Because if you build your diet around foods you enjoy, you're going to stick to that diet longer. It's the same thing I say with exercise all the time. It's like, don't set up an exercise plan for yourself that you know you hate. Don't give yourself 100 burpees a day when you hate burpees because you're going to do that for three days and then quit. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. So don't set yourself up with some type of meal plan where you're eating foods because you think you need to because you heard somebody say you need to or like don't eliminate all carbs because you heard it was bad when you actually like carbs. You like foods that have have high amounts of carbohydrates in them. Start with the, the foods that you enjoy and then I would say, you know, a great place to start is pick some protein sources that you like and build around those protein sources with a carb source and a fruit or a vegetable. And you don't like veggies. That's okay. Add a fruit there. It's, it's not as complicated as you think. So like some examples of how this could go is take a chicken breast, season it with whatever you want, complement it with a cup of rice and an apple. Super, super easy way to prepare a meal and all of those things, apples, rice, and chicken are easy to cook in bulk, store, and have them throughout the week. Here's another one. You could cook up some ground turkey or ground beef and put a few sweet potatoes in the oven or regular white potatoes in the oven so you can have that protein source with the potato and again add a fruit to it you could do this with steak take steak what's your favorite thing to put with steak maybe you like mashed potatoes with steak that's okay you don't have to have the mashed potatoes that have you know an entire stick of butter in them Um, but you can season these things lightly and have some like asparagus with it or something like that Uh, lean towards foods that well primarily starting with a protein source Protein sources that you know you can cook in bulk and store for the week in your fridge. Then go to carb sources. What carb sources do you like that you know you can cook in bulk and store in the fridge? And fruit, again, just have fruit on hand. But like with these things, I think it's great to do it this way because if you take, if you just look at things as like a protein source and a carb source, you can cook those up without any seasoning on them. And then throughout the week, add different seasonings to them so that it continues to taste good. It tastes different from meal to meal, but you're still providing your body with the same amount of protein and carbohydrates and fats. So, you know, again, if you go back to the chicken breast example, you can just cook plain chicken breast and then like one day you could put Creole seasoning on it. One day you could put, you know, some type of other chicken seasoning on it. One day you could put teriyaki seasoning on it. And these things don't add a lot of calories to the meal, but they add a lot of taste and they change things up, which I think is a really um, important factor to it, you know, because you don't want to feel like you're just monotonously eating 
chicken, rice, and broccoli every day, right? That's like that bro diet that <laughs> people hate. Um, but we used to think that that's what you had to do. Um, and then the last thing I would say for meal planning is <clears throat> I'm a huge fan. Since you mentioned breakfast and lunch is what you're struggling with for breakfast specifically, I'm a huge fan of like picking one breakfast and just eating that every day. And uh, understandably that may not work for some people, but this is typically a small meal. And often like Monday through Friday, it's one that would be beneficial to have it just be like grab and go. So like I'll share mine. The one I do every morning is a breakfast sandwich. It's a Jimmy Dean's one. I'll heat that up in the microwave and then I add a scoop and a half of whey protein. That's what I have every single day. And the cool thing about it and why I like this strategy with breakfast is because those two things get me like 50 grams of protein to start the day, which gets my day started off on the right foot. And I think there's something to be said for starting your day with the right things in place with the right intentions. And that can help your day snowball in the right direction with nutrition quite often. So if you can find one breakfast that you enjoy, that's high protein, that's going to have all of those little building blocks that you know are going to uh, probably set you off in the right path for that day, that's a really good option for you. And it's something to consider. All right. Our next question is from Malika. She asks, can you give me tips to increase my energy? And I want to run through a few things here that can help you increase your energy. First and foremost, I want to talk about sleep. So I I want to know how much sleep are you getting? That is a big one. That is something that honestly, most adults in in the United States struggle with. Uh, The recommended amount of sleep is seven to nine hours for adults. Most adults, it seems, do not get that many hours a day of sleep. And uh, that's a shame because... You know, I think a lot of this is well within our control. Uh, We just kind of tend to not prioritize sleep and we prioritize other things like watching TV and uh, being on our phones on social media at the end of the day. But if you are not getting seven to nine hours of sleep and you have trouble with energy, then that is the first place you should start is you should figure out how can I get more sleep. And I do have an article on my website if you would like to check it out about sleep routines and the importance of sleep routines. Uh, They're incredibly important. And if you don't have some type of routine that promotes better sleep, this article will give you some ideas on how you can set up your own. So you could just search Chris Gates Fitness Sleep Routines and uh, you will find that. But it's really about like, you know, what are the things you do in the the hour or two before you go to bed? And do you set yourself up for a successful night of sleep? Uh, that's the first place to start. So like when you go to bed, you know, we all know what time we have to wake up in the morning. When you go to bed, what is the available window of time that you have to sleep? So when you when you lay your head on the pillow, are there at least seven hours until you're supposed to wake up? Um, ideally you'd probably want it to be a little longer than seven hours till you wake up because we don't just put our head down and sleep immediately for seven hours. Oftentimes we lay there awake for a little while to fall asleep, wake up in the middle of the night, you know, have to get up, use the bathroom or whatever. So you want to have your head on a pillow with more than seven hours until you have to wake up. That's the first step. And in order to do that, you do have to structure your entire evening in a way that gets you there right? So you have to like eat at a certain time. You have to turn the TV off at a certain time. You have to put the phone away at a certain time. You have to brush your teeth, get changed, shower, you know, whatever you do, you need to do these things in an order that leads you to that bedtime. Um, And, you know, 
that's something to think about if you don't even have a routine is like the more you can get yourself in a routine and have your body get used to these habits that lead to sleep, the more your body is going to condition itself to, you know, start to release that melatonin and get ready to go to bed at night. And the more you do these things, you can't correct bad sleep over oh, overnight. You can't correct it in one night of a sleep routine. You can't do it in one week or probably even one month. But if you stick to these routines, um, it'll probably be hard at first, but it's going to get easier and easier and easier. And you're going to eventually find that like when you do lay your head down on the pillow at that time, that gives you seven, eight, nine hours of sleep that night. You're going to fall asleep quicker. You're going to stay asleep longer. The quality of your sleep is going to be better. And then you're going to feel more refreshed the next day when you wake up in the morning. So sleep routines are really important. And, you know, some of those things that you do before you go to bed, like how often are you sitting in front of a huge TV uh, with the blue light shining in your face? Or how, how often do you have your phone right in front of you uh, when you actually do lay in bed and, and you're scrolling through social media? And, and are you scrolling through social media and seeing like mean tweets or comments or posts about stuff going on in the world that gets you all fired up and, you know, kind of conflict with what your body's trying to do, which is wind itself down for bed. But then you're seeing these things that get you mad and boost, you know, your stress hormones and, and mess with your sleep. There's, there's a lot that goes into it. There are a lot of things that we do, or even like, do you watch, um, stressful movies or like scary horror movies or, uh, shows like there's man there's so many shows on that are just you know the dramas and uh they're they're designed to get you emotionally invested in them so that when the show ends it's not like you're just like oh cool that was over i don't feel anything now (laughs) it's not how it works or do you watch sports sports has been a big one for me like i'm a huge sports fan it's hard for me to turn off a game and then just go up and go to sleep. So I don't watch a lot of sports in the evenings, uh, at least during the week anymore, which is kind of crazy, but uh, it's it messes with my sleep and sleep is more important to me than seeing what happened at the end of the game. Um, a lot of this stuff, we, can, we do it to ourselves. We make sleep worse uh, by just what we choose to do. And I guess at the same time, choose not to do, choose not to prioritize your sleep. Um, But okay, so beyond sleep, there are some things also that can help you with your energy levels, um, like regular exercise. Exercising can, and the funny thing about exercising is like it leads to better sleep typically because you know, you're getting your blood flowing, you're getting some energy out throughout the day, and that's going to make you more tired at the end of the day. Um, So regular exercise can uh, increase energy oftentimes because it helps improve your sleep. Hydration, most people are not hydrated enough. So the more water you drink, it's probably going to help you feel a little bit more energized and proper nutrition, you know, and all these things have trickle down effects. Like if you're giving your body the nutrition it needs, if you're eating a high amount of protein um, and you're eating mostly whole nutritious foods, like the quality of your food is what goes into your body. So your body is a product of that food that you eat. If you're eating you know, shitty processed food every day, you're going to feel sluggish. You're not going to feel as good. But if you're eating mostly whole nutritious foods, you, you probably will feel less sluggish and more energetic. So um, that's a lot. There's a lot of things to think about, and a lot of different tips, but hopefully that helps point you in the right direction uh, a little bit with this one. Here's a fun one from Judy. I've seen the weighted hula hoop advertised and want to know if it's worth a try. Uh, Judy, no, <laughs> it is not worth a try. Uh, there's man, like, there are so many uh, fitness gimmicks out there, and 
with the weighted hula hoop, like, you know, I say no. I suppose you can give it a try. The thing about it, though, is it's like it's not going to transform your body the way getting into strength training is and doing compound exercises and focusing on your nutrition. And like, if you want to lose weight, getting into calorie deficit, if you want to build muscle, eating enough protein, like the, the things that are going to make a dramatic impact for you are rooted in the basics and they're rooted in some behavior change. Um, and they're not rooted in like a weighted hula hoop that just came out that people are saying is magic. Um, so I would say probably it's not worth it, but if like you're really in a good place and you just want to try something new, yeah, sure. Go ahead. You could, you could try it. Um, but it's not, I would probably say, no, it's probably a waste of your money. You're probably going to use it like twice and then it's going to collect dust. Okay. Next question here from Mona Ramona. I'm not consistent with fitness. Fitness is not a problem itself, but we're humans. Can you give me some tips on how to be more consistent? And sure, I can. Consistency is like anything else. It's something that you have to apply yourself to in order to have it become a habit. Like there's no hack for this. It's just like you need to think about what's important to you. And if these goals that you have with fitness are important to you. And honestly, like regardless of what the end goal is for you, the end goal really with fitness and exercising should be better health and longevity. So it should be important to you. Your your health should be important to you. And that should be enough for you to understand like, yeah, okay, this is something I need to do. Like, you know, you need to go to the doctor. So you go to the doctor, you know, you need to, to get, get your eyes checked. So you get your eyes checked. There's, those are things that are important for you to do. They're important for your health. So you go do them. Well, exercising is kind of like the thing you're supposed to do in between all of those checkups. Um, if it's important to you, you'll, you'll do it and stay consistent. And understandably, like depending on the phase of life that you're in, it may not be important to you right now, which may be why it's hard for you to be consistent with it. But um, I would say, remember the reasons that you want to exercise when you're thinking about why, you know, how do I, how do I stay consistent? Do you really want to lose weight? Do you need to lose weight? Has a doctor told you that you need to lose weight? Do you really want to get stronger? Is that long-term health and longevity important to you? And you want to be able to live a life where you can do everything for yourself into your seventies and your eighties, you know, then your nineties. Do you, do you want that to be you? Um, those are the types of things that I think are important to remember when you're struggling with consistency, um, all the health benefits, those are very, very real. And, and I would say, you know, those moments when you don't want to show up, but you still do almost every single time, like 99.99999% of the time, if you don't want to go to the gym or you don't want to do your workout, but you still do it, 99.999% of the time, you are so damn proud of yourself after you do it. And those are the moments that I think help it become a habit and help make consistency easier and easier because you then can reflect on what you just did and say like, man, I did not want to do that. I was dreading that so much, but I did it and I feel great now. And if you compare how I feel now to how I felt before I walked in the gym or before I went for my run or before I did whatever my workout was, is night and day. And the more you do that, the easier it is to justify keeping going, right? Continue to do what you're doing. So if you struggle with consistency, that I really think is the biggest thing. It's like showing up when you don't want to leads to you just showing up and eventually always 
wanting to show up. I, uh, that, that's, that's my own personal opinion. All right. Next question is from Brighton Quinn. He asks, what are the top two to three things I should focus on in the gym for weight loss? And, uh, Brighton, I can simplify it to maybe even just one thing. If you want to lose weight and you want exercise to be part of that weight loss journey of yours, the first and maybe only thing that you should focus on is what forms of exercise do you actually enjoy? Because losing weight takes time. And oftentimes people go to the extremes with exercising for weight loss because they think they have to. And in actuality for weight loss, the most important thing you can do is be in a calorie deficit. Um, If you're in a calorie deficit, whether you exercise or not, you're going to lose weight. Exercising is kind of the icing on the cake where while you're in a calorie deficit with your nutrition, you are doing things physically that are bettering your health. You're building your body up in the process of losing body fat. So I would say focus on the forms of exercise that you actually enjoy because if you enjoy them, you'll be consistent with them. And if you're consistent with them, you'll do them for a long period of time. And if you do them for a long period of time, you will make a ton of progress. That's really the top thing. Um, then in terms of like, if you want to go deeper and talk about what, what forms of fitness should you do, I always do encourage people to do at least two strength training days a week. If you can, if you're physically able, uh, because there's enough research that shows, you know, two plus strength training days a week can really, uh, result in a lot of positive health benefits um, that you should want to take advantage of. So strength training at least twice a week, focus on compound exercises like pressing, rowing, squatting, um, and, you know, just keep showing up in those strength training sessions. And, and, And I think that that's a really good place to start. And then I would also say, yeah, you should be doing cardio as well. And again, two days or more of cardio and, 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 that can be anything you enjoy, you know, anything that you enjoy with cardio. Cardio is another thing where it's like, well, what do I do? You know, should I do hit training? I hate hit training. I don't like going outside to go running. Pick whatever form of cardio you like and do it consistently. That's all you have to do. And then between strength training and cardio, like whichever one of those that you like more than the other, do a little bit more of it. So you got a minimum of two of each, right? If you like lifting more, do three or four days of lifting and then two cardio sessions. Well, you know, whatever you want to do, there are no rules. The only rule for weight loss is being in a calorie deficit. Okay, that theme of a calorie deficit is going to carry on to these last two questions. Uh, George Martin asks for tips on how to get abs and a six pack. He wants to burn belly fat. It's all a calorie deficit. There, There's nothing else like you you can and should do compound exercises that will strengthen your core. Uh, you don't have to do a ton of direct ab training. You don't have to do all of these like uh, crazy different exercises to target different segments of your abdominals or obliques. Uh, you can simply do pressing, squatting, rowing, um, and be in a calorie deficit, and you will over time, if you're there long enough, depending on how much weight you need to lose, how much body fat you need to burn, you will eventually get to the point where you can see those abs and you can see your six pack uh, and you can burn belly fat. It's as simple as that. Calorie deficit is what burns belly fat. And you would also probably benefit from being able to do some strength training. You can do direct ab training if you want, but I'm saying you don't need to. I, I think 
Uh, my personal opinion is if you are squatting, pressing, rowing, maybe even deadlifting with proper form and technique, you are going to engage the musculature of your core just as if not more effectively than if you're just doing a ton of crunches. Like I think you're going to get more out of those exercises than doing direct ab training. So that would be my recommendation. And the last one, I got a question. This was a anonymous user asked, what's the best thing to get rid of arm fat? And once again, it is a calorie deficit. It is not trying to do as many curls and tricep extensions as you possibly can. This isn't a situation for arms or any body part where like you need to do exercises for that specific area of your body to burn the body fat in that area of your body. No, you need to be in a calorie deficit and you can do a well-rounded strength training and cardiovascular exercise program. That is what's going to help you burn fat anywhere on your body. Okay. Um, including arm fat. So, uh, I hope that's helpful. Calorie deficit is often the answer to a lot of these weight loss questions. All right. And that's going to wrap up the Q and a here for March. Thanks to everybody that submitted questions. I do appreciate it. And like I said, at the start, if you liked what you heard and you want to talk more about the fitness goals that you have, I am a coach. You can hit that coaching link, uh, in the show notes of this podcast episode. I really appreciate you listening. And if you liked what you heard, and you want to leave a rating or review wherever you are listening, that helps me a ton. It helps the podcast reach more people. So if you do that, thank you in advance. Thank you for listening. And I will talk to you in the next one.